0: Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our reach around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our Mission Fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. From lessons on rebuilding the temple found in Haggai chapter 1, we've learned that God has called us to build up the temple of His presence through the local church. If you're a Christian, this is one of your gracious assignments. You came to this assignment by a miracle of mercy in which God placed you in his body, the church, through salvation. Yesterday, we also considered that this work is hard, and when facing hard work, it's easy to make up excuses for avoiding it. Today, we'll see that there is a reward intending to God's business. It's easy to spiritualize not doing the hard things that your flesh wants to avoid. And it's easy to justify it on religious principles. It's easy to find some verse in the Bible, some reason, some rationale for not going out and carrying on the work that God's given you. And the interesting thing is while you do that, oftentimes you make that justification, but while you make that justification, you find a reason for you to continue working on your own homes, continue working on making yourself comfortable and your own pleasure and your own needs. Here's an application for us. We have to be careful when our understanding of God's word and his will for our lives consistently aligns with our comfort zones. Maybe, just maybe, you're being influenced by internal prejudices instead of by where the Spirit of God has led you. In the same way, by the way, you have to be careful when your wisdom is applied to what God has called you to do and in your wisdom you determine that you are justified in delaying the very things that God's given you to do. So you could say, now is not the time to do these things. Jonathan Goforth was a missionary to China and God had used him significantly in the city of, I believe it was Toronto, to lead a number of people to Christ. He got to China and when he arrived in China, he was quickly told by the missionaries that were surrounding him that he had to be very patient in carrying out the proclamation of the gospel in China because it would take him years to study all the nuances of the Chinese culture before he should even dare to proclaim the gospel to them. He received their advice. It sounded it sounded wise, it sounded sage, it was coming from individuals who had greater experience than he had had, but then he began to think about it some more. And He began to understand that the gospel spoke to the soul of a man in every age and in every place, and that the gospel wasn't limited by borders, and it wasn't limited by culture, it was limited finally by only one thing, the failure of God's people to faithfully proclaim it. <laughs> That's what it's limited by. And so he began as quick as he could to go out and preach the gospel and to great effect. Many people started coming to Christ. He tells in his biography of a couple of occasions, actually his wife wrote a biography of him, but it's told in the biography of Goforth that there were two occasions in which, again, the wisdom of those around him and his own concerns prevailed to cause him to stop to go to certain regions to carry out ministries, ministries that he felt the Spirit of God had let him to go and carry out because there was danger in those areas. On both occasions, there was a tremendous epidemic that was raging in those regions, and so he is told not to go. One was towards the beginning of his ministry. Another one was towards the end of his ministry. On both occasions, his reading for that day was from Ecclesiastes chapter 11, and God gave him a word in that passage on both times, on both occasions. It was Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. There God says, he that observes the wind will not sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap person looks out and says, you know, I'm not going to go out and cast my seed today because it seems kind of windy out there. I'm not going to go out and do the harvest because, you know, it just might rain. We never know it could rain. He'll never get the work done. You have to listen to what God tells you to do. And on both occasions, he took that as God's word to him, that he was obeyed what the Spirit of God was prompting him to do and what God had called him to do. And he went to those places where these epidemics were raging, and God protected him. But many people in both occasions came to Christ as a result. We have to pay attention to the reasons that we give. I have to pay attention to the reasons that I give for delaying and stalling my service to the gospel and to his body, the church. Are those reasons also keeping me from pursuing my own things? Or are they only applied to the work I do in serving God and his kingdom and his message? Haggai points out the discrepancies for these people. They said now is not the time to do the work of building the temple, but they also found plenty of time to build for themselves these paneled houses and they alight in ruins. Haggai goes and confronts the people. I'm not doing that. We all have to take God's word to bear against our own lives. But a good rule for challenging our reasoning for the slowness in labor, the slowness we have in gathering day to pray, or in giving, or in serving, or in proclaiming, or in exhorting one another, or simply being together to express the kingdom life in this place, is to ask ourselves if we're applying the same reasoning to our domestic pursuits. Now this is a very minor illustration. It wasn't quite bold, but as I was writing these words down, I received a question as to whether we should meet today to have our church service. And my wife was concerned about it as well. But I remember earlier in the day, I had had breakfast with a handful of our men that gathered for breakfast. And I remembered that my brother-in-law, Jeff, told me that that afternoon he was going to be going up with one of his kids to go skiing at Bogus Basin. I began to think, now wait a second. If Jeff can go up and drive up a treacherous mountain to go skiing at Bogus Basin, certainly (laughs) we should apply that same reason to maybe gathering together to worship together. And so we're here. We're going to get together. Now, I was going to write an email suggesting that all those individuals who are afraid of breaking a hip, for example, as they're walking in a church in the icy snow or didn't want their car started and don't have the ability to shovel themselves out should it get stuck on the road in their neighborhood pulling out, that maybe they shouldn't come. But I didn't write it. And just so you know, young people, you were not the first ones to arrive here. It was all the people who may have those types of concerns that were here even before I got here, all ready to go because, well, you know, what do you expect of a generation before us that had to walk two miles uphill to school and uphill back from school <laughs> to their homes with bread sacks on their feet through a drift, snow drifts that were above their heads? You know, that kind of hardy population. They don't have a hard time getting their way to church, the fellowship to get them. Well, here's the fifth thing I want you to see. The result of neglecting God's work is that God neglects ours. The result of neglecting God's work and God's purposes and God's designs is God says and particularly to us who have been called to this work God neglects ours Haggai 6 you have sown much and bring in little you eat but you don't have enough you drink and yet you're not filled with drink you clothe yourselves but no one is warm and he who earns wages earns wages to put them in bags with holes Haggai chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 you look for much but indeed it came to little and when you brought it home I blew it away yes I, why, says the Lord of Hosts, because my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, the earth withholds its fruit. For I call for a drought on the land and on the mountains and on the grain and on the new wine and the oil and on whatever the grounds bring forth, on men and livestock and in all the labors of your hands." God says, I'm going to explain to you why you haven't been successful over the last 14 years in really getting yourself well established and fruitful in the land. you got your nice homes, but you don't have much to put in them. I want to explain to you why this is. They had been thinking, the reason we're having this struggle is it's just proof that we're in the middle of the predicted time of desolation for the land. This is just a fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. And God says, no, it isn't. That's not why you're struggling. You're struggling because you haven't been obeying me. You haven't been carrying out the work that I called you to do. You've thought more of yourself and your own success and your own needs and your own private cares and concerns and your own families than my household and my people and my work and my temple. And that's why you're struggling. Now, I want you to recognize something this and this is kind of our last point here. I want you to see there's a promise in all of this. God is in a sense setting down a general rule He's expressing that He is ready to bless our affairs when we prioritize His. He's ready to bless our affairs when we prioritize what He's given us to do. I think it's the observation of my wife's siblings and my siblings that our parents had wonderfully happy marriages that didn't seem to be, from far as we can tell and as far as they tell us, a cause for their sufferings in life. Instead, their marriages were a cause of great satisfaction and joy in their lives. And I have a theory for why that's the case. I think if you were to go and study the life of my parents or my wife's parents, and I think you might find this in other lives as well, that you would find that they did not devote themselves to working hard in their marriages. They devoted their lives to working hard for the kingdom of God together to building the temple that God had called them to build, to work together to raise their children to honor and love God, to work together as a family, as one another, to see Christ's church blessed and it raised up in every place. And the more and more they gave themselves to that work, the more and more God gave themselves to the concerns they might have for their own families. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Your Lord knows you have need of these things. The Lord Jesus told us the principle. The Lord Jesus gave us the rule. You turn yourself to my kingdom and my work and my call and I'll take care of the rest. And I'll enrich you in ways that you can never imagine, you can never understand. I think we'll find that this is the case and this is the rule. That as we work to take care of God's business, God works to take care of ours. God glorifies himself by satisfying our lives when we find ourselves satisfied with serving him. Where we're just glad to be able to pour out our lives like our Savior poured out His for our salvation, to pour out our lives as a thank offering that more and more people might find that salvation and know Him. It opens up a fountain. God says, I'll bless you. I'll provide for you. This is not, by the way, a prosperity gospel message because our siblings can also tell you that neither one of our parents were opulently prosperous. The Lord just took care of them all the way through And the Lord anointed those relationships because they lived in those relationships to serve together God and His purposes. Let me commit it to you. It's a wonderful promise, and it gives our lives greater and greater meaning. It gives our marriages greater and greater meaning. It gives our homes a greater and greater meaning and purpose when we understand this truth. So let's go to the conclusion here real quickly and just make an application. Having said these points, we are called to a great work of building the temple. We're brought to that work by a tremendous miracle. That work is hard and difficult. Our flesh tends to draw back and delay the call of God in the middle of it because of that difficulty. But God says, you tend to my business and I'll tend to yours. I'll bless you, I'll I'll benefit you. And the application is in verse seven. Consider your ways. Look at your life and see what you're prioritizing. Find out if the reasons that you might give for not giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord are the same reasons you're applying to your own life or not, to your own home, to your own personal pursuits. If not, you need to make an adjustment. Consider your ways. Now, when the people heard this from Haggai, they basically looked at one another and said, He's he's right. Haggai's right. We've been in the wrong. They repented of it and they turned. They then went back to the work and the labor. They went up together to do the things that God had called them to do and God gave them a promise as a result, a wonderful promise. God said to them, here's the word of the Lord for you now. I'm with you. And he poured out his spirit upon their leaders and he poured his spirit upon them to carry out that work. And there was great satisfaction in it and he was with them. It's in verse 13. The climax of all this was they responded and they turned from the, what they, the neglect they'd been doing and they gave themselves back to the work and God says, here's my word from you from Haggai. Here's my great capstone of prophecy upon you. I am with you. It says their spirits were lifted up to do the work. Kind of reminds me of what Jesus said. Go make disciples. Teach them what I've commanded you. And look, I'll be with you even to the end the age. Let's bow our heads. I'm compelled to give out a call to all our listeners. Give yourself to building Christ church in this age. Find a local church that is bound to the word of God and exalts the person of Christ and there build up the temple of God's presence in your community. This has been the Bread of Life. To learn more about this ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.